Welcome to the Leading Men Podcast. I'm your host, James Haley. This podcast is dedicated to helping Christian men become better leaders at home and in the church. This week, we'll discuss the 2016 presidential election results with author, pastor, and playwright, Terrell Munger. We'll talk about the strong response to Trump being elected president and what men should do next. Leading Men is a listener-supported podcast. If you enjoy this podcast, you can help us in a number of ways. First, you can subscribe for free on iTunes and give us a five-star review. Your reviews will increase our visibility and help us reach more men. Second, you can share this podcast with your friends, family, and men's group. Finally, you can provide a donation on our website at leadingmennow.com slash donate. And right now, we want to welcome back to the show, Pastor Terrell Munga. Terrell, welcome back to the show. Hey, man. I'm always excited to be a part of it. Right. Today, we want to get together and talk about this election that just happened in 2016. And yeah. new president-elect is Donald Trump. And yeah. if you were like me, when you woke up that morning, you looked on social media and you saw a lot of, a lot of anger, a lot of confusion, and something I haven't seen in my lifetime after the election is a lot of fear. From your perspective, where are all those emotions coming from? Well, for me, just from an observation standpoint, I think the Bible says out of an abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And if we listen to what we say, our our mouth will snitch on our heart. And um, after the election, we hear a lot of people talking. Um, And the majority of the African-American community were upset that Donald Trump was president. And I mean, rightly so, it's some concerns. But from a moral standpoint, it's even a bigger concern as to where we are as a society. And that's the black church. That's the white church. That's every other kind of church. We have a president that's a reality show star. And his wife is a playboy centerfold. You know, from a moral standpoint, what are other countries thinking about us? Does it represent that Christian nation that we are supposed to be? And some of our own personal preferences came out and showed clearly in the black community and the white community and voting for him. A lot of evangelicals, white evangelicals, voted for Donald Trump. So I believe they put the Bible to the side and put some of their personal prejudice in the forefront. But we'll still say we serve the same God. So I think our mouth is snitching on us in a lot of ways because it's exposing some things. A lot of things I hear about people when they des- describe Donald Trump is they think you know he's a misogynist. Some people say he's a racist. Mm-hmm. With so many, when people believe in that, then you know that so many people also voted for him. People are starting to look at their friends and associates in kind of a different way. How should people who are on that side that are with the African Americans that have the fear and the anger, how do they look at their associates that they believe or they know supported Trump in this election? Yeah. Well, first of all, I believe more importantly, uh, if you have hope, fear does not exist. Mm -hmm. I never once got scared. I never thought I was going to lose my job. I never thought I was going to go back to slavery. I never thought something horrible was going to happen because Donald Trump is president, first of all, uh, because my faith is too strong. I just don't believe that. I believe that my actions and the things that I do can play a part in dictating the direction of my life. Maybe obstacles, but I believe I can get over those. Um, But uh, I hear statements made like, nothing has changed. It's the same old America. And I think that's an insult 
to our ancestors to say nothing has changed. That's an insult. That's an insult because I haven't seen mass lynchings in a long time. I, I haven't seen, you know, Jim Crow in a long time. You know, and I know there are some racial issues that need to be dealt with, but I think it's a slap in the face to our ancestors, our grandmothers and our great-grandmothers to say that nothing has changed. Some things have changed. Do we have a long way to go? Absolutely. But we have to build on the progress that has been made or, as we say, stand on the shoulders of our ancestors and do more contributing to the solution than complaining about the problem. So many people have a lot of critiques, but very little contributions, and that is a major issue. I don't believe that Donald Trump went up, would we have thrown a celebration party if Hillary would have won? I mean, both of them, we have to look at the state of where we are as America when that's our two choices. That's like, do you want a brick sandwich or do you want a dirt sandwich? I don't want either. But we have to look at where we are. Because one thing that, that that's an observation for our community, the black community, I hear people talk bad about Bernie Sanders. They talk bad about Hillary Clinton. They talk bad about Obama. I mean, pastors, when he first got elected, were saying Obama was the Antichrist. I mean, it was, it was horrible. But you talk bad about all these people, then you get upset that Donald Trump win. You might as well have been campaigning for Donald Trump. So we have to be a little more consistent. And let me also, this is an observation of mine too. Those that supported Donald Trump supported him. They heard the tape where it was showing how he was clearly misogynistic, how violent, how rude, how arrogant he was, and they supported him. They were like, I don't care what he did, I'm voting for him, I am for him. But the African-American community, we can say a sentence wrong and they'll turn against us. We, we could be just as black as they are, just as much from the community as they are. If we say a sentence wrong or disagree with them in any kind of way, they'll immediately turn on us and want us to lose at the sake of wanting somebody like Donald Trump to win. And so it's something we need to fix about ourselves. Why are Trump supporters and the like so supportive of their people, but our community, our margin of error is so small. Our margin of error is small for white America, and our error, error, uh, margin of error is very small for the black community. Can you imagine what it would look like if a black man who had some pending charges on him and had a stripper for a wife, he'd be a laughing stock as a candidate, but the white people supported theirs. Black people turn on eyes at the drop of a hat. Now, Donald Trump didn't win barely. He didn't win a few southern states. He won basically almost everywhere. Right. Why did the, so many people support Donald Trump despite all of the negative characteristics you just spelled out? Okay, well, what you have to look at, too, is 46% of Americans did not vote. 46%. So th that's a large percentage because after the talking of we don't have any choices, a lot of people stayed at home. Even Colin Kaepernick, he was the man who took a knee uh, about the Star Spangled Banner and all of that. He admitted he did not vote. And he represents a large part of our conscience in our black community. A lot of them didn't vote. 
So we got to look at that. So then we have to look at a lot of people voting. More people have voted for a third-party candidate in Johnson than they have in years. So he got a lot of the votes. So it's not like he won over America's heart. It's just America's heart was not invested. That's why you see so many protests from colleges and high schools because all these people are in an uproar that this man won. But the deal is most of us were uh, unengaged. We were like, whatever, it doesn't matter. We don't have a, a have a choice. We're ruined either way. And so they allow somebody like Trump to sneak in. But I'll tell you this, what Trump did expose is there are a lot of people who are saying one thing and thinking another, and they are silently in agreement with a lot of his misogynistic and his races and his bigotry that he speaks, the, the anger and the rudeness that he speaks. A lot of people are allowing him to do what they wish they could do, and that's why they voted for him. You mentioned that um, something needs to change within the African-American community. Mm-hmm. What are some of those things you're thinking about changing or think should change? Well, I believe it would do a lot for the african-american community if we judged each other by the same standard that we want to be judged now we can see other people's flaws clearly but we don't see any of ours like for example i just moved and i i I gotta be honest i moved from a predominantly white area the grocery stores were more in order the shelves were more stocked. The customer service were better at the restaurants. People were courteous of each other. They were, uh, you bumped into somebody at the grocery store or, or, or going to a store, they was like, oh, I'm sorry. They held the door for you. It was, it was a different environment. But when you go into our community, everybody's mad. Customer service is not good at the fast food restaurants or at, you know, uh, the sit-down-and-eat restaurants. The shelves are not stocked. You ask somebody for help, they just say, we ain't got none. You know, and so if we want the outside community to treat us better, we have to treat each other better. It doesn't cost it doesn't cost you anything to smile at another black man instead of mean mugging him. You know, it's not hard to treat another black person with customer service and say thank you and yes, sir, no, sir, or or be nice because that's how you want to be treated. We can learn a lot if we just start treating each other the way we wished white people would treat us because I, I am so past that. I don't expect anything from another race. I don't expect them to do anything for me. I want to be good to my people, and I want my people to be good to me. That's what I'm concerned about. And if we start that and treat each other better, maybe we can create another black Wall Street type of environment because we're serving each other with excellence, and it'll motivate us to keep our dollars in the community. And I'm not saying... Uh, they can treat us anyway because of how we treat each other. I'm not saying that. I'm saying treat each other good because we love each other. I shouldn't have to ride through the community and get more mean mugs and smiles. When I first moved in the other community I moved in, the little kids next door brought cookies and asked could they cut my grass. I come over in this community, people looking at me like I ain't supposed to be here. And I got to prove myself to just be accepted. And I, and I know that's not everywhere, but uh, by far... We could be nicer to each other. That could be a start. We, we could care about each other's lives. That could be a start. Be nice to each other without having to prove your blackness 
We came from the same places. We have a different different experiences. We're not going to think the same because we have different experiences in life. I respect your experience. You expect mine. But at the end of the day, we can be good to each other. If we judge each other a, 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 a little more how we want to be judged, I think it'll do some fixing and some healing in our own communities. You talked about this a little bit on a previous podcast, but you know we have a lot of people that say don't judge me or mm-hmm. the scripture says don't judge or they think they saw the scripture. What do you say to yeah. that? Well, I think that's a cop-out. Most people that say don't judge me know they're doing something that need to be judged. You know, now don't get me wrong. No one wants to walk around being critiqued all day. But if you see something that can truly help me and, and, and it's important to you, I think you can try to use the right words and, and share that information with me. Let's, let's not look at it as judging. Let's look at it as sharing information. Instead of saying, man, what's wrong with you for smoking that weed? How about you say, hey, it is an opportunity for you to get a better job if, if you, uh, you know, stop doing that because these type of jobs that you want money for, they require drug tests. I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying it's wrong. But if you want more, what are you willing to give up to get it? That's not judging. That's sharing some information that's beneficial. And if I say to you, hey, man, it'd probably be good if you read some with your kids instead of, you know, letting them play the video games all the time. Because if you start feeding them knowledge right now, when they get older, it'll take off and grow on its own. That's not judging. That's sharing information. I think sharing information is good. Judging is saying you're going to hell. None of us can say that. Or you're not going to be anything. That's judging. But if I share information that can help you, that's not judging. That's helping you become better. And I would hope people will want to share information with me to help me become better. After the election, I'm curious, what should the church response be? What should the church have been saying on Wednesday night Bible studies after the election or Sunday morning? What, what should have been the church's role after that? Well, not the cliche well, God is in control. <laughs> we know that God is in control. But I think it's it's a great opportunity, and, and some of the things that I'm sharing now is, now is not the time for you to wait on somebody else or some other time. We are the people we have been waiting on. We are the change that we seek. And if we do what we are supposed to do, if you're mad that Trump is in office, go get your business license. Start saving your money right. Start teaching your kids how to contribute to the house. If you're really upset that Trump is in office, put yourself in a position of power so you can do something different in the next four years. And, and if, if I see a team, if I'm, if I'm a football team, and I see the team that is my biggest rivalry, if I see they got the number one draft pick, I can't get mad at them. I have to start preparing to face that draft pick that they have. So we can't get mad at Trump. I, and you know, I mean, what the kids are doing with the protests, it might turn things around. I don't know. But just in case it doesn't, start putting yourself in the best situation to succeed. Control what you can control. Save your money. Stop trying to show out for people that don't like you anyway. Start getting your house in order and do the things you need to do. If you need certification, go get your certification now. If you need to um, you know, get your business license and start putting your business plan together, do it now. If you're really upset that Trump won, now it's time for you to start getting yourself and your family and your friends in proper place and be the change that you want to see and stop waiting on someone else to do it. You know, a lot of people, you know, historic African-Americans are looking for the leader. You know, mm-hmm. it's Malcolm's going, Mark, 
Martin's gone. We don't have the leader anymore. Are you saying that basically stop waiting for that leader? It's us. Well, here's the deal. People say, where are the leaders? I say, where are the followers? Mm. People don't want to follow anybody. If it's not their idea, they don't want to do it. You can have a great idea. You can have great leadership skills. But the minute you say something they don't agree with, they will run off. And so we do have some great leaders in place, but we don't have people that want to follow. They will rather fight. They will rather complain. They will rather argue and debate than follow. You got to understand, even when uh, Malcolm X was doing what he was doing, Elijah Muhammad was not right, man. Let, let's be honest. He was having all these kids and all that, but Malcolm X loved him and followed him. And then when he became a leader himself, people followed him because of his integrity. Not even that, that they were ready to go up against uh, Elijah Muhammad. They were ready to follow Malcolm X because they believed in his vision. Following somebody does not mean you have to agree with everything they say. You have to agree with the vision that they stand for and the direction that they are going in. And guess what? Leaders, just like everybody else, are going to fail. I, I, I tell my people in my church all the time. We're going to try this. If it doesn't work, we're going to try something else. I don't say, oh, Jesus came and sat at the foot of my bed and he gave me the plan. No, he gave me a mind. He gave me a heart. He gave me a vision. This is what we're trying. If it doesn't work, we're going to try something else. But one thing for sure, we're not going to stop until we get there. It's not a leadership problem. I don't care what anybody say. It's not a leadership problem. It's a following problem. Everybody wants people to do exactly what they say and how they do it. And if you're not careful, Dr. King said it best. He said a leader is not a taker of consensus. He is a shaper of consensus. Because if you are a taker of consensus, you'll find yourself following the people you're supposed to be leading. And that's a lot of what's happening. People are trying to appease everybody and make no progress. How do I recognize a good leader? The way you recognize a good leader is, does he do what he says or does she do what she says? Is she all talk or is there action? And if the even even if the outcome does not come out as planned, does he or she articulate why it didn't work and what's next? The way you recognize a good leader, the Bible tells you, you will know them by their fruit. If they're just an empty tree producing no fruit, they are not leaders. They want to be seen as one. Leaders produce results. Leaders communicate. Leaders inspire. If you, you'll know a leader when they make you feel good about yourself more than they try to get you to feel good about them. Leaders want you to do well. Leaders create other leaders. Followers try to get followers. Another thing I've seen on Facebook recently is there are uh, white Americans that are trying to, yes, in some way saying that I'm a safe place. I'm one of the, don't fear me. I'm a, I'm not Trump. No. Right. What's your message to them? What should their role be in this post-election uh, process? Well, I, I, I always try to go back to biblical context. Jesus said, either you're with me or against me. If you are, have not spoken up for my oppression, you are not my ally. You can't tell me you're a good one, but you don't address the bad one. You can't do it. You can't say, oh, I like you. It's not me. What are you doing? Will you speak up on my behalf? 
And so Jesus said, you're either with me or you're against me. And I take that stance, black, white, yellow, green, whatever you are. If you are not with me, you are against me. That's that's just how I look at it. So, and if I feel like you are against me, I'm not going to attack you, but I'm not going to include you in my plans either. I'm not going to expect anything out of you than what you've shown me. I'm not going to complain about it. I'm not going to make Facebook posts about you or Twitter uh, uh, tweets about you. I'm going to say, this is who they are. They are not my ally, so I have to make it with what I have. You'll make more progress focusing on your goal than focusing on your enemy. Too many people try to focus on enemies and talk about who ain't right and they ain't right and they wrong. And it's that focus on your goal. Because if your goal is, is, is truly from God, what does the Bible say? If God be for us, he's more than the whole world against us. And I believe that. That's why I focus on my goals. And so no matter what your race, no matter what your position in life, if you complain about any and everybody, you're not my ally. You sit down and complain, I'm about to put in this work. I think we know somebody wrote a song about goals. <laughs> See, yeah, exactly. Um, you know, at, on Wednesday morning, a lot of parents had to have difficult discussions. If they haven't, they will. Mm-hmm. What should parents be telling their kids about this election and why we have this president and how they should go forward? What should they be telling their kids? Well, the here's the conversation I had with my son when I got up. I said, you were fortunate enough to see eight years of a black man in office. So you have a different expectation or a different idea of what is possible than I do. When I grew up, I saw uh, Jimmy Carter, well, I saw Little Johnson, I saw Jimmy Carter, I saw Ronald Reagan, I saw uh, Bill Clinton in the bushes. and Black president wasn't even real in my mind as a kid. Now it's real. And so it's a bunch of kids that know it's real. Whether you like Obama or not, whether you said he did something or not, he did a lot just by winning to show us the possibility is there. So you cannot get upset because you woke up this morning and a white man about to be president. At least you know what's possible. But guess what? You can't depend on his decisions to direct your life. You got to make the right decisions for yourself. And so these are the type of conversations I have with my son. And, you know, and, and we have in-depth conversation whoever is in office whether it's obama or whoever whoever is in office your life is going to come down to the decisions you make for you not the decisions somebody else make for you get any parting thoughts for everyone well I, i i would say this we have to take a long hard look at ourselves a lot of people want the government to be perfect they want the school system to be perfect they want certain communities to be perfect never mind we're not perfect ourselves life offers no perfections life offers no guarantees but what life does offer is opportunity when you see that opportunity take it if the opportunity is not there get ready for it so when it finally shows up you can run after it Life is all about how you think every day, what you decide to do every day, and the consistency in your own life. I don't care if an alien is president. If I'm alive, I got a chance. And that's just how I feel, man. Oh, one final thought. What do you say to the people that did not vote? Well, I would say this. Um, 
you you you're not the worst person in the world. But now you see how much one vote count if 46% of the people say my vote doesn't count. So unifying everybody has to believe that their voice and their vote counts. Or man, I'm telling you some more people out there worse than Donald Trump too. And so if we want to see that again, disengage from the process like Colin Kaepernick did and like so many others did, and then you're just going to put the overall direction and future of the government in somebody else's hand and probably in the same hands of the people that you mad at. How do people find out more about you? Uh, you can find out about me at www.inspirememphis.com. Go check out my wife's website, strivefitness20.com. She's putting out a new workout video right after Thanksgiving, after you had all your turkey and your dressing and your sweet potato pie. She has a workout video. It's called Plenty in 20, a 20-minute workout that you can start your day with or end your day with or on your lunch break so you can get fit. Strivefitness20.com. Shout out to my wife, Tiffany Monk. Right, man. Thanks. That was Terrell Monker, pastor, playwright, and author. If you want to hear more from Terrell, go back and listen to episodes 1 and 12, and you'll be glad you did. If this podcast was a blessing to you, please let us know by emailing us at contact at leadingmennow.com. You may also email us to suggest future podcast topics. Also, don't forget to take a few seconds and provide a five-star review on iTunes or Stitcher. You can follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Leading Men Now. Let's continue the conversation with the hashtag Leading Men Now. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week.